Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guests William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll also visit with Esther Lella, the executive director of the Collier Resource Center Golden Gate. Nathan Kuneen is the communications associate with the American Federation for Children. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and author of many books, uh, he'll be visiting with us as well. It is uh, November the 18th, and on exactly noon on this day in 1883, American Canadian Railroads began using four continental time zones to end the confusion of dealing with thousands of local times. The bold move was emblematic of the power shared by the railroad companies. The need for continental time zones stemmed directly from the problems of moving passengers and freight over thousands of miles of rail that covered North America by the 1880s. Since human beings had first begun keeping track of time, they set their clocks to the local movement of the sun. Even as late as the 1880s, most towns in the U.S. had their own local time, generally based on high noon or on the time when the sun was at the highest point in the sky. As railroads began to shrink the time travel time between cities for days or months to mere hours, however, the local times became a scheduling nightmare. Railroads' timetables in major cities listed dozens of different arrival and departure times for the same train, each linked to a different local time zone. Efficient rail transportation demanded a more uniform timekeeping system rather than turning to the federal governments of the United States and Canada to create a North American system of time zones. The powerful railroad companies took it upon themselves to create a new time code system. The companies agreed to divide the continent into four time zones and dividing lines between adopted were very close to the ones we still use today. Most Americans and Canadians quickly embraced the new time zones since railroads were often the lifeblood and main link with the rest of the world. However, it was not until 1918 that Congress officially adopted the railroad time zones and put them under the supervision of the Interstate Commerce Commission. So interesting. If you can imagine being everybody checked their time according to the town square, looked at the clock up there, and that became the time for the local area. Of course, it had to be coordinated. Such an interesting story. That only happened how many years ago? That was in 1883. Speaking of travel, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis announced continued record visitation to Florida in the third quarter of 2022. Visit Florida estimates the uh, Florida welcomed 35.1 million visitors between July and September 2022, marking a 6.9% increase from the third quarter of 2021 and the fifth consecutive quarter of overall visitation surpassing pre-pandemic levels. According to Visit Florida, 32.6 million domestic visitors traveled to Florida in Q3, 
2022, representing 18 months of domestic visitation growth from 2019. So far this year, Florida has welcomed 104.5 million travelers, an increase to 4.1% for the same period in 2019, and over 15.3% more than in 2021. To ensure visitors continue to experience Florida and are not dissuaded by the impact of Hurricane Ian, Visit Florida has launched a $2.7 million campaign to convey to travelers that the sun is shining in Florida. Our Freedom First policy continues to bring Florida uh, visitors from across the country and around the world, said Governor Ron DeSantis. This increase in tourism will support our entire economy, especially small businesses that have been built from the ground up by hardworking Floridians. That's just terrific news to see uh, growth in tourism and visitation here in Florida. Well, the Florida Supreme Court on Thursday affirmed Mark Seaver's first-degree murder conviction and death sentence, as well as conviction of conspiracy to commit murder. He's 54, was convicted of conspiring to have his, to have his wife, Teresa Seavers, a 46-year-old Southwest Florida doctor, murdered more than seven years ago. On June 28, 2015, Seavers' wife, Teresa Seavers, left a family vacation and returned alone to her own Bonita Springs home. After she pulled in the garage, retrieved her luggage, and walked into the house, two men her husband hired to murder her, Curtis Wainwright Jr. and James Jimmy Ray Rogers, beat her in the head with hammers, and she walked into the kitchen until she died. Court records indicate the plot began weeks earlier when Mark Seavers traveled to Missouri for Wayne's Wright's uh, May 2015 wedding. Wright agreed to take care of it for at least $100,000 in life insurance proceeds, the records show. Uh, Wright later recruited Rogers, promising him to part of the life insurance money. Kyle sentenced Rogers to life in prison. He was convicted of second-degree murder and trespassing by Lee County jury October 2019. On February the 10th, 2020, Kyle sentenced Wright to 25 years for his role in Teresa Seaver's murder. Uh, It's so interesting. I I knew Teresa Seaver. She was uh, doing a great job in terms of helping mothers unwed mothers and uh, withered uh, uh, kids. And uh, she's just a terrific person. And, uh, of course, the practice, uh, she was a holistic medical medical type of doctor and probably wasn't making the money that they had hoped to. She wouldn't accept uh, Medicare and Medicaid and so forth. So uh, he took out a a large life insurance policy on her and, uh, (laughs) quite frankly, had her murdered in order to collect so sad. She was such a good woman, such a good person, and he's he's going to go. He's going to have the death penalty. <clears throat> House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on uh, the seventeenth announced she would step down from leadership of House Democrats after Republicans flipped the lower chamber. For me, the hour has come for a new generation to lead Democrat caucus that I so deeply respect, and I'm grateful that so many are ready and willing to shoulder this awesome responsibility. She added. She's 82, and she'll be remaining in Congress. Representative Hakeem Jeffries has long been rumored as the frontrunner to replace Pelosi and was endorsed by Pelosi's two top deputies. Uh, Jeffries is 52, received backing from House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer and House Majority Whip James Clyburn. Jeffries is currently the chairman of the Democratic Caucus. Uh, Hoyer and Clyburn say they're also stepping aside to let younger Democrats take control of of, uh, the caucus. So... uh, it's great to see Nancy Pelosi step aside. I, she, they're just hailing her accomplishments, but quite frankly, she was a tyrant 
And uh, there was no regular order in terms of taking care of legislation. They, you remember her famous quote, we have to pass the bill so we can read it? That pretty much uh, exemplified her way of thinking about she used all power and pushing things through, not uh, with any kind of discourse or discussion or deliberation on the part of the uh, member of Cong- members of Congress. So, uh, Nancy, we're glad to see you go. House Republicans announced they were launching an investigation into President Joe Biden at a press conference Thursday, alleging the older Biden was involved in his son's Hunter's overseas business dealings. Now, this is so interesting that you think that the Hunter Biden might be the object of investigation, but it's going to be the president of the United States, Joe Biden, who's going to be uh, the subject of this investigation. Republicans uh, representatives James Comer of Kentucky and Jim Jordan of Ohio, citing unnamed whistleblowers, alleged that Joe Biden was the chairman of the board of the Biden family empire, overseeing Hunter's business activities, claiming to find evidence of conspiracy to defraud the United States and money laundering. Hunter Biden currently holds a minority stake in a Chinese private equity firm responsible for investing in a previously sanctioned technology company that committed human rights violations against the Uyghurs. And the new accusations point to the involvement in the energy industry. The lawmakers allege that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden participated in waste, fraud and abuse relating to business dealings and plan to release a new report Thursday to outline their claims. We find evidence that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden were involved in a scheme to try and t- get China to buy liquefied natural gas. People are in outrage over China's buying farmland in Dakotas. What about China and starting to buy into American energy industry, Comer added. Comer was referring to documents found on Hunter Biden's laptop that showed he was engaged in business talks with Chinese companies to sell American natural gas. When Joe Biden directly involved, was he involved with Hunter Biden's business deals and, and is he compromised? That's our investigation, Comer said. The representatives hope to find why Biden lied to the American people about his knowledge and participation in the family's international business schemes. Hunter's been uh, under federal investigation since 2018 after he alleged to fail pay, to uh, pay taxes and lied on firearm application. U.S. Attorney David Weiss has conducted the investigation and would be the person who levies the charges. It's been going on for a long time. I think he's got it in his hip pocket. He's not going to do anything. That's the way it appears to be. In September, over 30 Senate Republicans called for U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland to grant special counsel protections and authorities to Weiss as he continues to investigate Biden, Hunter Biden, that is. The request stemmed from a letter that claims Hunter Biden had a growing amount of evidence against him for relating to federal crimes, including but not limited to tax fraud, money laundering, and foreign lobbying violations. The request for counsel follows a September claim by one of Hunter Biden's former business associates, Tony Bobolinsky, that former FBI agent Timothy Tebow worked to conceal relevant information about the Biden family, particularly his relationship with Biden's legislature alleged that uh, Tebow attempted to halt the FBI's investigation into Hunter Biden. In October, Representative uh, uh, Senator Uh, Chuck Grassley called on law enforcement to release records detailing a potential criminal conduct committed by Biden's sons after leaked emails pointing to Biden's own real estate company receiving $40 million investment from a Russian oligarch. Well, this thing is just ripe with with all kinds of 
uh, criminal conduct, in my opinion. I'm so glad they're going after the quote-unquote big guy, uh, President Joe Biden. Of course, this is going to splash on Hunter as well. And a group of uh, House Republicans led by Georgia Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene has introduced legislation to audit funds appropriated by Congress to Ukraine. The House resolution by Representative Greene obtained uh, by a news outlet is co-sponsored by Getz, Paul Gosar, uh, Thomas Massey, Andy Biggs, Barry Moore. In other words, a lot of, a lot of very conservative uh, uh, Republicans. Republican lawmakers are requesting that all documents and communications pertaining to Ukraine funding be sent no later than 14 days after adopting the resolution. So this is great, too. We should, of course, especially with this FTX debacle and what's going on with Sam Brinkman-Fried's crypto exchange uh, and the money that, quite frankly, has been laundered, I think, through, I believe, uh, laundered through Ukraine and returned back, a lot of it returned back to the Democrat Party. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with uh, William Yateman. He is a uh, senior legal fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. 
or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to remind you that uh, Lulabee's Diner is now going to start serving dinner between Wednesday and uh, Saturday evenings from 4 to 8 p.m. And a great breakfast and lunch. And now a terrific menu for dinner at the Green Tree Shopping Center at Lulabee's Diner. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Esther Lully. She is the Executive Director of the Collier Resource Senior Center, uh, Golden Gate. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a uh, senior uh, legal fellow at the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. Uh, so we're a national nonprofit legal organization, and we defend ordinary Americans from government overreach and abuse. Uh, a lot of that going on. <laughs> Alas. It's, it's a big market. <laughs> so, William, thank you for that. So uh, and there's a, a website, pacificlegal.org. Indeed, okay. that, that is the website. Okay, so let's just uh, do a little bit of review of what's been happening here in the uh, on Capitol Hill. First of all, there's a changing of the guard in the Democrat Party, and uh, the GOP is winning the House. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, so we got some clarity on Capitol Hill. Um, the GOP has taken the House. Um, so as of now, it's 218 uh, uh, Republican uh, representatives. 210 Democrat representatives with seven races outstanding. Um, in the Senate, we've got a 50 to 49 breakdown with uh, uh, Georgia as yet to be decided. The two big takeaways, I would say at this point, I mean, of course, we've got disappointment that um, on the GOP side that there wasn't a red wave. However, I want to echo something you said last week, um, which was uh, reporting, and I saw it this week, it was reporting by Sean Trent. But the GOP won the popular vote forty, or I'm sorry, fifty-one percent to forty-seven percent, yeah, um, which is no small matter. And then I guess the other big takeaway is we we've got these razor thin margins for uh, both majorities in the House and the Senate, and in this context, it, it means that individual members are all the more important. I mean, sort of. I guess one way to put it is that everyone in Congress is now a Joe Manchin. Um, so that perhaps augurs well. I mean, that, that perhaps a move away from what has been the template for policymaking, whereby leadership negotiates a bill and then, you know, basically foists it upon the members writ large, and they've got two hours to <laughs> process a 1,500-page bill um, and pass it. Um, maybe that, uh, maybe the current structure of Congress, one silver lining, would be sort of a, a, a leading away from that leadership-centric process towards a more decentralized process where we've got more input in, in national policy. You would certainly hope so. You'd think that the House, especially the House and the Senate, would be deliberative bodies that are considering policy for the United States of America. It's, <laughs> it's, it's they're tyrants up there pushing each other around. It's just unbelievable. You'd like to see a more civil approach to uh, making legislation. I guess being deadlocked right now is probably a pretty good thing. You know, it'd be a good thing if we didn't get anything done, especially considering what's happened in the last couple of years. Here, here. I mean, so I guess that would be the ultimate silver lining, which is 
when everyone's a Joe Manchin, it's that much harder to pass major legislation. Um, so yes, uh, uh, getting uh, you know I guess this sort of check <laughs> on, on government uh, has presented itself. Absolutely. So uh, any anticipations for the lame duck session? I mean, the Democrats are going to still hold the House until January the third. They will, and oof, we are entering a dangerous period. Um, so we'd spoken last week about how uh, if the Democrats thought they were going to lose the Senate, they were going to spend all their time on Biden's judicial nominees. And if they didn't, um, then perhaps they would invest all their time in trying to achieve uh, as much as they could while they're still in power. Um, unfortunately, we've got a situation now where they will hold the Senate. So they've got nothing but ambition for, I guess, the next six-odd weeks. Um, That is to say, they want to get as much accomplished as they can while they're still in power. And the major things that are coming down the pike, um, we've got the spending authorization. I mean, the government, in essence, is going to run out of money that it's authorized to spend on December 16th at midnight. Um, So there's going to be a big battle over that. Um, The Republicans would prefer to negotiate these matters next Congress, the 118th, when they've got control of the House. The Democrats have every incentive to lock in their spending priorities for the next year while they still have power. Um, So that's going to be a big deal. Another issue that has been baited about or that I've heard rumors about of late is that they want to take on the debt ceiling. Mm -hmm. Um, So just to remind our listeners, $31.4 trillion is what our current um, debt ceiling is that's in essence the the it's distinct from the government running out of money it's authorized to spend. This is the uh, ability of government to borrow money <laughs> yeah. that it's been authorized to spend. But that uh, is set to run out the third quarter of this year. So Democrats are uh, keen on, uh, I guess, uh, sort of indefinitely raising it. I mean, putting some super high number on it such that it's it's not an issue for it uh, at least some time. Yeah, it's only money. <laughs> it's only, yeah, it's, I mean, $31.4 trillion. Um, that, to me, was, at least. And we have no hope of paying that back. The, the, the real concern at this point is, can we afford the interest on the debt that we have right now? And it's becoming less and less likely with inflation and the higher interest rates right now. I wonder if, oh, you, have a, if you have any uh, thoughts about uh, Trump's announcement uh, this past Tuesday. Well, yes. I mean, this is just something I've been harping upon every Friday. But, you know, Biden has made Trump a central plank of his campaign platform, both in the midterms and when he intends to run in 2024. Now that Trump is running, now more than ever, it is absolutely essential for the Biden administration to put some sort of arm's length uh, removal between itself and the multiple ongoing investigations that the FBI and the DOJ, or I'm sorry, the Department of Justice, um, are conducting now against Trump. I mean, it cannot be the case that we've got the incumbent president investigating his likely challenger, or I'm sorry, his announced challenger. And and indeed, the uh, uh, the one Biden wants to run against. I mean, we've got all sorts of terrible incentives here, so this is a constitutional abomination, quite frankly, and uh, sooner than later, something needs to be done about it. Well, you, I'm sure you heard that uh, it was leaked from the Washington Post that uh, the, the Mar-a-Lago raid on Biden's, on uh, Trump's residence was strictly political. Did you read that? I did not see that, but I'm going to Google that immediately after this call. I mean, that's outrageous. That, that is, so, look, I'll say on its face, and I'm not uh, by any means uh, uh, 
absolving President Trump of any malfeasance, if there was any there. But I am saying a high-profile raid on the next president is something the administration should not be doing out of an executive branch agency, yeah. like the Department of Justice. I mean, it's just this is something that requires special counsel. It's something that requires some degree of independence from the incumbent president. Again, William Yateman, a senior legal fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. The website is pacificlegal.org, pacificlegal.org. William, always appreciate your very thoughtful commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Esther Lully, Executive Director of the Collier Senior Center, Golden Gate, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more and download the app by visiting choicesocial.us, the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Esther Lully, Executive Director of the Collier Senior Center, Golden Gate. Esther, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure. I was so impressed. I had an opportunity to attend the event the, the other night for the Collier Senior Center and uh, so impressed with the support and with uh, uh, your staff. It was just a really terrific event. Thank you, Bob. We are beyond grateful. Great community supporters and so happy you were there also. Well, thank you, Esther. So tell us about the Collier Senior Center, Golden Gate. Uh, for those who don't know who we are, we're also formally known as the Collier Senior Resources, but nonetheless, yes, we did rebrand our name to Collier Senior Center. Uh, we are the first 
Resource Center here in Naples, providing services to older adults and caregivers through programs, services such as education and advocacy. And uh, we provide free services for seniors, uh, for those in need. We offer life-enhancing programs and seminars. And um, while we have many programs, um, not only do we get long-distance calls from seniors who are out of the state um, who wants to know how they can refer, you know, their loved ones for care and assistance. We certainly help with that um, by having many community partners, and we could get into more of that, um, and I'll share towards the end more of our program and services that we offer directly for seniors. Thank you, Esther. I was uh, so impressed at, at, uh, at the background of the Collier Senior Center. It's so interesting. Apparently, uh, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator and soon-to-be uh, Senate president here in Florida, and her mm. father were very active in the founding of the Collier Senior Center. Absolutely. We have some heavy hitters, and we're so happy to have the support of the county with us. And as you saw at the dinner, we had the Commissioner Saunders attend, so it was a real treat to have his presence there, for sure. So tell us about some of the act. I mean, one of the things that uh, uh, seniors, of course, <laughs> over time begin to lose their friends. They they, uh, they die, they move away, go back to different parts of the country. So uh, loneliness is a major issue and, and, and isolation. And uh, I know that one of the important things that uh, the Collier Senior Center does is provide a venue for people to interact and to, to relate. Absolutely. We have more than 10 weekly programs, plus a variety of offerings each month, such as daily breakfast. We service hot lunch through our partnership with the Collier County Human Services Monday through Friday. Uh, we have a coffee bar, weekly food pantry, uh, monthly, you know, uh, birthday celebration, uh, exercise classes, um, art classes. I mean, there's so much, but two of our biggest services um, for some of your listeners and those that are new is our direct assistance, a one-time financial assistance service. Um, we help our clients with whatever they need, whether it's medical bill, prescription, um, you know, medical equipment, things of that nature. We pay directly to the vendor, uh, but we try to alleviate that financial burden on our seniors, especially given, you know, inflammation and the rise of housing and food. So we definitely help with that. And also our mental health program that consists of, it's called Upslide. And um, in this mental health program, there's a friendship connection group where some ladies come together and they talk. Um, Again, this is facilitated by our social service coordinator, and we offer individual counseling also to our seniors, both men and women. So we, we do a lot, Bob, definitely trying to meet the whole needs of our seniors. So is there a cost involved if seniors want to uh, join or, or get, and get involved? That is the best part. We are we provide free services, so there is no cost to our seniors. Again, thanks to the generosity of our donors and community partners, that makes this possible. So, uh, how can people find out more? In other words, can people stop by, make a phone call? How can people get involved? Absolutely. Well, certainly, our phone number is two three nine two five two four five four one, or they can stop uh, by. The location is 4898 Coronado Parkway, located in Golden Gate. And they could always give us a call, uh, schedule a tour, and I would be more than happy to um, showcase our services and our programs. Now, yeah, this is kind of timely. I understand that on the 23rd, there's going to be a pie giving. Yes, yes, that's going to be exciting. So we're going to have some pies there, and we're also going to have some seniors make pie. And 
there will be a little judging, you know, showcase taking place. So it's going to be fun, definitely, before the holidays. That is so exciting, Esther. So, uh, again, if, 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 this is an opportunity for anybody, you know, again, if, you're, if you have a relative who's feeling isolated, if, if you're isolated, uh, get involved in the Collier Senior Center. It's a terrific organization with lots of activities, including, for example, uh, technology seminars and people getting uh, learning how to use iPad, iPhones, iPads, yes. that, that kind of thing. Yes, and I also forgot to mention, uh, definitely um, please visit our website at callyourseniorcenter.org. Callyourseniorcenter.org. Esther, just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Any final message for our listeners? Our final messages for our listeners, I want to say thank you, um, especially for those that are listening that supports us. Um, We couldn't do this without you, but certainly come by the center, learn more about us. You can certainly make a difference in the lives of seniors here in Collier County. And trust me, you will notice the change. Um, We we, we promote, you know, we, we give testimonials about the lives that are being changed. So just please stop by and support us, and I would love to meet you. Thank you so much, Esther. Again, Esther Lully, uh, Executive Director of the Collier Senior Center at Golden Gate. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Have a great one. Bye-bye. You as well. Thank you. Well, uh, so interesting uh, that, uh, again, so impressive to, to see uh, the support at the Collier Senior Center at the event the other night and to see all the people that are really providing tremendous support uh, for the Collier Senior Center. Well, by the way, a federal judge in Florida on Thursday blocked a law pushed by Governor Ron DeSantis that restricts certain race-based conversations and analysis in colleges. Tallahassee U.S. District Judge Mark Walker issued a temporary injunction against the so-called Stop Woke Act in a ruling that called the legislation positively uh, dystopian. The law prohibits teaching or business practices that contend members of one ethnic group are inherently racist and should feel guilt for past actions committed by others. It also bars the notion that a person's status as privileged or oppressed is necessarily determined by race or gender or that discrimination is acceptable to achieve diversity. The far-left judge blasted DeSantis and called the legislation positively dystopian. And here's a quote from the judge. Our professors are critical to the healthy democracy, a healthy democracy. At State of Florida's decision to choose which viewpoints are worthy of illumination and which must remain in the shadows have implications for us all, Judge Rock Walker wrote, according to the AP. If our priests of democracy are not allowed to shed light on challenging ideas, then democracy will die in the darkness. Well, see, here the judge has conflated the whole notion of what I'm going to consider to be uh, uh, indoctrination versus uh, learning. There's nothing wrong with talking about uh, what these ideas are and how they conflict with the, with the reality and the truth. But when you're using your position as a, position, as a professor to indoctrinate your students on these uh, critical race theories and these other ideas makes absolutely no sense at all. The judge should be aware of that. He should, uh, certainly we all support free speech and learning and being able to discuss just about anything. But when it crosses the line into indoctrination, it's just absolutely wrong. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting. Uh, let's who, see who we are going to be visiting with. We're going to be visiting with uh, the... Uh, uh, here we go. We're going to be visiting with Nathan Kunin. He's the Communications Associate with the American Federation for Children. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, building a 44,000 square foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be absolutely fabulous, but also bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now, we have with Nathan Cunin. Nathan is the communications associate with the American Federation for Children. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, Nathan. So tell us about the American Federation for Children. The American Federation for Children is the nation's largest school choice advocacy organization. Uh, so we work with states across the country to pass uh, school choice laws, which will allow parents to take control of their education dollars and give uh, students access to the best education possible that meets their individual needs. It's not one size fits all like government schools, Nathan. So uh, I, you are a personal beneficiary, personal, you personally benefit from the opportunity for school choice. Maybe you could tell us your story. Absolutely. So I actually grew up just about two hours north of where I assume you are right now, down there in Naples. Um, I grew up in Sarasota, Bradenton, Florida, uh, and used the Florida Tax Credit Scholarship for 11 years to get the education that I needed. Um, it was extremely important to my parents from a very young age that I receive 
not just a strong academic foundation, but an education that aligned with our family values. Um, but there was no way that we were going to be able to pay for a non-public school without uh, some help. So the School Choice Tax Credit Scholarship Program enabled my family to put me into a small private Christian school that really allowed me to set me up for my future and ultimately led to me becoming the first in my family to graduate from college. Uh, and I don't think that that ever would have come to pass if it wasn't for school choice. What an exciting and interesting story, Nathan. And uh, uh, I'm sure it changed your life just dramatically in terms of your self-confidence, in terms of your ability to learn, and just in a number of ways. Well, absolutely. Uh, one of the stories that I tell quite often is that I didn't know at the time that I had received a school choice scholarship uh, for financial reasons. The, it, the tax credit scholarship uh, eligibility is determined based on income. But at the time when I was just a little kid, I thought I got the scholarship because I was really smart. <laughs> so I remember being very upset when I found out that my brother and sister also received the scholarship because I think I thought that that made them as smart as I was. <laughs> Uh, but ultimately what that did, and, and this is very real, is that uh, that inspired me to be passionate about education. I thought that I was a scholarship kid, so I was smart. Uh, and I wanted to go into the classroom every day and prove that I was smart. Uh, and, and really, that was a, a motivating factor that I think led to me being more studious than maybe otherwise I wouldn't have without the scholarship. That's so interesting, Nathan. You know, we're uh, both in Florida right now. I'm, I'm pretty proud of the fact that uh, uh, Florida is leading the nation in, in many ways in terms of creating school choice for families, for opportunities, and for parents. Uh, maybe, first of all, you could tell us what is it that we do that's really working for us, and then what should we be doing more of? Sure. Well, uh, Florida has definitely been the standard bearer for school choice for a very long time. Um, really, uh, this Florida school choice story has played out over almost two decades of small incremental expansions, which have led to the largest uh, school choice program in the country. Uh, and I think Florida really gives us the opportunity to look at the effects of school choice uh, at scale. Uh, nearly 200,000 students will use school choice in Florida this year. Uh, more than a million have over the course of uh, school choice history in Florida. Um, and really what that's done for the Florida education system is taken it from very low in the national rankings to very high. I believe the actual number in 2021 uh, was Florida sitting at number three in, in education uh, rankings around the country. Uh, which if you look kind of at the early uh, 2000s when I was actually getting started in school, that was not the case. They were much closer uh, towards the bottom half than, than the top. Um, so Florida has really done an amazing job of putting students first over the last two decades, but there's always room for improvement. Um, it, I think the next step for Florida is to embrace uh, a move like Arizona has recently done, which is to expand its school choice programs to universal eligibility so that every student will have access to school choice and the education that meets their individual needs. Um, Arizona did this through their education savings account programs just a couple months ago, uh, expanding it to all 1.1 million Arizona students. I'd love to see Florida legislators do the same thing uh, and give every Floridian the opportunity.
I, I agree with that, Nathan. Now, uh, you said that uh, your your scholarship was tied to you, uh, your financial situation for your family uh, in Florida. Is uh, I don't think it's true, though, that, that uh, these uh, scholarship opportunities exist only fi- for people in financial need uh, in Florida. Is that true? There are several different scholarship offerings. So I was referencing specifically the tax credit scholarship, yeah. uh, which at the time, um, and it's been expanded uh, very pleasantly since then, uh, at the time was at fairly, uh, fairly specific income requirements for eligibility. There's also uh, several programs for uh, students with special learning needs. There is a program in Florida that's really unique um, that helps kids who have experienced bullying relocate yeah. to a different school. Um, so there, there are definitely several offerings uh, in Florida with, with different uh, eligibility requirements. Um, I can't speak personally to those things, although I think that they're <laughs> quite unique and, and interesting. Absolutely. Well, so Nathan, tell us about these education savings account in Arizona and, uh, and how they work and uh, how they could benefit Floridians. Absolutely. So uh, education savings accounts are essentially uh, pots of money that families can use on a variety of pre-approved education expenditures. So, for instance, the tax credit scholarship in Florida that I use uh, gave my helps my parents pay for private school tuition. Education savings accounts are much more robust. So instead of just paying for tuition, you can really customize the offering to give that student exactly what they need. Hmm. Uh, So education savings accounts can be used for tuition at an alternative school, but they can also be used for tutoring services. They Hmm. can also be used to purchase curriculum or other resources that are going to help with extracurricular learning. Um, In some cases, they can also be used for transportation to or from school. Uh, So really what education savings accounts do is create a very robust system with lots of choices so that every student is able to to get the kind of the mix that they need personally for them. Um, And I think that that could be very helpful for a place like Florida, especially, you know, we know it's intuitive and we also know from all the data that shows like students don't learn the same anywhere, especially not in Florida. So where does the money come from to fund these uh, savings accounts, education savings accounts? Do they come from our taxes or do they come uh, from individual contributions from families? Right. So every state is a little bit different. Um, I'll, I'll talk in the case of Arizona. So the education savings account funding from Arizona comes from the state portion of pure pupil spending in Arizona. Uh-huh. So, for instance, um, the total per pupil expenditure in Arizona public schools are about $11,000, $12,000. Um, education savings accounts are about $7,000 or the state portion of that money. Um, now, that's not always the case. Yeah. Um, for instance, some states have uh, what are called tax credit funded education savings accounts which would behave very similarly to what we have in Florida in the tax credit scholarship program. Uh, But ultimately, what we're getting at here is it's taking back control of money that would have flowed into a public school based on your zip code 
in giving it to parents so that they can decide, hey, maybe we're going to stay in this public school that we were assigned to, or maybe we're going to pursue these other options with this money. So interesting. Nathan Kunin, again, communications associate with the American Federation for Children, speaking out for school choice for parents and their kids. Uh, Nathan, is there a website? Yes, it's federationforchildren.org. Federationforchildren.org. Nathan, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, space architecture and author of many books. His latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Here in the commercial for Blue Provence, we dined. We were dining at Blue Provence last night. It was just a wonderful experience. Unbelievable. The place was totally destroyed by Ian, and now is open for business and serving terrific. It's a terrific dining experience. Blue Provence again on 12th Avenue South. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, also the author of many books. His latest is Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. He also writes his column for Newsmax. It's called On Point. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. And Bob, thanks so much for the privilege of being on. Thank you. Thank you, Professor. So uh, yesterday, some announcements of some investigations that are beginning already. Uh, it's so interesting to me. I'd just love to get your thoughts. 
Yeah, it's these are going to be interesting times. Uh, you know, with with uh, Republicans taking the House, even by a very slim majority, it's a big deal because uh, I think one of the key things is that it gives these oversight committees. It, it flips the the committees and uh, and uh, gives them subpoena power and so much of the information, so much of the stuff that's been backed up. Uh, of course, with Nancy Pelosi and and her her uh, colleagues, uh, it's always been Trump, Trump, Trump for the last seven years. All that's going to change, and I think, you know, partly uh, everyone likes to watch a public hanging. I guess I don't know. Maybe there's something <laughs> morbid about it, but but uh, with you know with the two tier justice system that we've seen last few years and uh, absolutely horrendous uh, uh, circumstances with, within the FBI and Department of Justice and and uh, the Hunter, you know, in, including the, uh, the FBI sitting on Hunter's laptop from hell for throughout the uh, 2020 election and so on. I think people and a lot of people really want to get to the bottom of these things. Maybe partly some of it's morbid, but I think by and large it's also a sense of injustice. And so we're going to, with subpoena power, we're going to see a lot of these actors coming before the court and uh, and being charged with you know fessing up on, on what happened and. And, and and there's going to be quite a parade. I think we're going to see that, uh, you know, most recently this FTX thing is wasn't on the radar before, but the funny one is crypto money to the Democrat Party, of course, is a new one. But but the uh, Biden family influence peddling, which is all over, you know, Hunter's laptop, and Tony Bobulinski has exposed that and. We have a lot of FBI informers coming forward now and talking about corruption, you know, and the rank corruption on the seventh floor of the FBI building where where all the decisions are made and and the Mar a Lago raid and, and on and on. Uh, but I think there's going to be so many of these investigations going into the origins of COVID and and the shutdowns and you know uh, Anthony Fauci and and uh, the, the southern border, how that was allowed to happen, and how Afghanistan was allowed to happen, where the troops were withdrawn before the civilians, and so on. So these are going to be interesting times, and and I think it's going to, uh, you know, my the big question is, will the media finally want have to cover these because they're they're newsworthy, you mm-hmm. know, it bleeds, it reads, and and even though they're going to explain away why they were actually complicit in all of this in terms of uh, censorship and so on, uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, I think the, the information town square is made full of gallows in the next, next few months. <laughs> well, the, the, the problem, you'd love to see the guillotines and the, and the gallows uh, uh Operate. Unfortunately, uh, with the new with the president of the United States right now, we have a Department of Justice uh, Attorney General who probably is not going to follow up on this stuff. So the 
course, the House has the opportunity to uh, to uh, subpoena, but they they can't convict, they can't uh, charge, make charges. They can only refer it on to uh, to the. Uh, judicial uh, branch of the government or to the uh, attorney general. So that's going to be, that's going to, you know, and to your point too, what is the press going to cover? Hopefully they will cover these things because the, the atrocities are just unbelievable. Well, I think as we look forward, uh, the big game, keeping your eye on the ball, the big game is 2024 presidential elections. And mm-hmm. one thing I think happened with the midterms and the red wave that didn't quite materialize is the fact that I think it, and a lot of people think it, it really locked down uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as the as the candidates for 2024 amidst all kinds of problems. With of course, we'll see what happens in inflation. We'll see what happens in with China and Taiwan. We'll see what happens with with uh, you know the, uh, the whether the Republicans tamp down the spending is driving all of this and energy policies and so on. Uh, so so I think that the you know, the big game, again, is leading into 2024, where the electoral map is different. It's, it favors Republicans and unlike the Democrats. And so I think if, if speaking of gals, I think uh, you know, if, you know, the, the Republicans can, can leave Joe hanging in the wind, twisting in the wind, the way they did Trump for seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is really, you know, it, the impeachments and so on, not having the Senate to hold the trials is, is one thing. But I think it's really a battle now for the minds and hearts of the voters. And, and uh, you know, I think a lot of this stuff is really, really ugly stuff. And They've been kept, I think, quite ignorant of the facts, and uh, that's going to be a, a strong uh, advantage for the Republicans going to 2024. Yeah, that's, At least that's how I see it. That's a great point, uh, Professor. And uh, again, just hope that the media, well, there will be certain certain media outlets that will cover this, but of course, uh, my concern would be that uh, they'll be having, having committees, but uh, nobody will or not nobody, but uh, many uh, media outlets won't uh, cover it, and which will be really a shame. Anyhow, I'm hopeful, again, uh, again, pointing towards 2024. Uh, any thoughts about uh, the, uh, Trump's announcement on Tuesday night? Yeah, I, I do. I think, uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't take credit that he read my article urging him to, to, you, know, to you know, to not go on the attack on DeSantis and so on and, and be more, you know, High-minded in his talk, he, I think he did a good job of that. I, I look at the as as we go into the 2024 season, there's there are going to be some very strong candidates, and DeSantis is certainly there, and maybe Pompeo, and maybe you know maybe Nikki Haley will reemerge, and and you know others like Tim Scott and Governor Youngkin, and so on. But there's such a such a talent pool to draw from, unlike the Democrats. Right. That uh, I think that the good debate, you know, on issues is wonderful. And I think if if it's, if they're focused debates and they don't do what, of course, the media and the Democrats want, which is eat each other up, I think it's going to put the main issues forefront going into 2024. And I think it's it's all positive and let the best person uh, emerge from all this. 
Absolutely. Again, uh, Professor Larry Bell, we didn't talk about your column, but I do want to remind our listeners you can go to Newsmax.com and check out uh, Professor Bell's column. It's called On Point. Just click on the the uh, on the side column there, On Point. You can pick up lots of great, including the latest column, which is Biden and Glasshouse questions must foreign business question mark. In any event, Professor, I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Bob, I always enjoy it so much, and thank you. Thank you, Professor. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did and learned a lot. Uh, on Monday, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, and Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington uh, bureau chief and author of many novels, uh, will be joining us as well. Uh, hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>